Sorry, we're closed. Well, today we are going to be going over um, a, guy, a friend of ours, well, a friend of mine, Sean doesn't know him, but uh, a gentleman by the name of Sahil Bloom. And he came roaring onto the scene in business uh, when he had posted, he started posting like these threads. Uh, they got noticed by guys like Tim Cook. And all these other guys, and it just it just went, it absolutely blew up. He, you know, this guy gained, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers in a week. Uh, it was like it's insanity. Um, and really nice guy. Uh, I used to play baseball. I didn't I never played with him on a team, but I was friendly with him in in, in like summer ball. He uh, was a Stanford pitcher, and uh, same year as me. And he played with a friend of another friend of mine, Mark Appel, who you guys might be aware of as. Uh, the guy just had a big comeback story and, and made it to the big leagues this year after being the first overall pick and, and kind of noted as the, the biggest bust in Major League Baseball history. Uh, I think that title is now no longer since he did eventually make it to the big leagues. And uh, But yeah, really nice guy. Uh, interact with him a little bit here and there uh, every now and again. We don't uh, run quite in the same circles, although I would I would hope that uh, eventually that we end up doing so because he's a uh, quite a successful man. But so that's a little background background on Sahil, and uh, I would I would suggest you follow him on Twitter. Great guy, uh, and gives a lot of uh, I think really good pieces of information. He's the one of the guys that I think about Sean when I think about how can Twitter be free. And it's like like some of the information that I'm getting from these these really brilliant people. You mean like and it's crazy that like like it's like you're just sitting there like this is so wild that this information is free? Yes. Like okay. how how am I not paying for this? Like it really isn't impressive stuff. But like I told you, like I the title of the of the of the um, Twitter space says we are going to go over his 22 lessons learned in 2022, and that's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna go through all of them. For example, number one is hug your loved ones. Anyway, that's we know that. Uh, we're we're going to pick, you know, <laughs> pick some, you know, hug them, guys. I, I'm with you. But uh, pick some. We're going to pick some some of our favorites uh, and more towards, I think, geared towards the business portion of, of what we do. So uh, I'll start us off, Sean. Uh, number two is actually the one I wanted to start us off with. And it says, your entire life can change with one year of focused daily effort. If you show up every single day, there are no limits to what you can achieve. Now, I had referenced this pre pre show with you, Sean. Where this, I think, I don't know, is that what the podcast called? Like two ba- two bears in the podcast, or like that? Yeah, I, gosh, I can't, I can't even. I see these guys literally all over the place. I can't remember any of their names though. They're on Joe Rogan a lot. Uh, they're two comedians. Bert is one of them. Uh, yeah, Bert something and Bert like Reichenheis. Yeah, like yeah, something like that. I don't know the name, but it's something like that. Okay, yeah. So he um, he says, and this is something that's interesting to me. For those of you, again, I reference the Carabas pod quite often because uh, Jared likes to make jokes about uh, that I'm an alcoholic, and I I had Bert pop up on my. Yeah, he's in my TikTok algorithm. I love both of them. I think they are, they're both hilarious, and I think they both give a lot of in depth kind of stuff, kind of similar to the path I like to take, where uh, you know, funny stuff, anecdotal stuff, but 
also some serious things. And he talked about he, he, you know, they think he's an alcoholic. I don't know if they're just joking around like Jared does, but or if they actually think it. But he talks about how he, how he like sometimes wakes up hungover, and it's just a shitty morning and all this good stuff. And he goes, he he tells himself that it, it's still his decision whether or not he gets stuff done that day or he doesn't. And if you, you know, quote unquote, I think he said win the day, but it's it's entirely entirely your your decision and i have i mean we talk about a lot sean where i have i have my hangover days but i don't leave my room till 4 p.m yeah uh, and, and like maybe i take a phone call here and there but i'm i'm ignoring people like you wouldn't believe <laughs> I, I i look at my phone i'll have 19 new messages and i'm just like nope not doing that like you know and then i'll get a, i'll get all of a sudden my watch will go off like at 3 p.m and it'll be mom and it'll be just the Dot, 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 question mark, question mark, question mark, which means, are you going to answer me type things? So and I got to look at my phone and see what my mother texted me. So you have these days, but, you know, they're really frustrating, especially as you get older. And, Sean, you're not, you're not too keen on this because you don't drink as much. But you get older and these hangovers, it's not just, okay, yeah, I don't have a headache anymore. My stomach doesn't feel off anymore on, on day two of the hangover, or day two after drinking. But, like, your energy levels aren't back. Like, I'm not, I'm not super productive. Uh, and doing things, but you know, it's similar to what you do, Sean. When you do those rare nights <clears throat> where you do drink, you do anything to try to make sure <laughs> that you can be productive the next day, yes. and, and you'll put yourself through <clears throat> hell in a, in a workout or what have you to get you back to normal to be able to to have that productivity day. And that's kind of some of the stuff that he says is you know, it's kind of your choice of what you do, yeah, day to day. And it leads to another point. I'm sorry to, to ramble on here, but it leads to another point here. Where um, there was there's certain people that kind of talk about that type of phrase, where if you do so and so for one year, you'll you'll I mean similar to what you had with the, your your original podcast, yeah, 365 <laughs> days, and you'll never you'll never you know worry about money ever again, and. It's stuff like this, you know. I oftentimes, you know, I still like to go to nice dinners. I go out and, you know, I I I get a car service for the night. I do this, I do that, and I'm I'm making great money right now. But like, if my Amex bill was still only two thousand dollars a month, <coughs> like it used to be when I wasn't making great money, you know, my financial position would certainly be in a much better place than it is right now. I'm still sure. doing good. I'm not an idiot. I don't I don't spend more than I make. I don't live paycheck to paycheck, but. I could certainly be in a better position, and when certain opportunities come around, I I can I can jump on those opportunities because of that. So I thought often thought I remember telling you one time, Sean, that I thought you know if I just you know for next six months just live frugally, you know, I might be in a I might have to never be in a in a in a weird spot ever again in my life. Yeah, small yeah. price to pay. Yeah, it's you know it's it, I think that the the big disconnect with with like a lesson like this is that most people from what I've seen is they are, they're in a position where they're saying, okay, like I want to become X. I want to become a millionaire, billionaire, zillionaire, trillionaire, whatever it is that you're trying to become. Uh, it's like, how do I get there? But the difference is like what I've learned for the most part is that we all really know what it is that we're supposed to do. Like we understand like, okay, show up every day, hustle, like do the, do the dirty work, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and if we consistently do that every single day, 
you know, we will ultimately get there. So it's not really necessarily about what are the mechanics that I can do? What is the strategy that I can implement that will take me to that next level? Rather, it is who do I need to become, right? It is I need to become somebody who's more productive, more consistent, more focused, more driven, more motivated, more ambitious, whatever those things are, actually leads you into you know, who it is that you're, it, or leads you into the goal that you're trying to achieve. You know, it reminds me a lot of Patrick is the years ago, uh, Patrick and I, we, we follow, I don't know how many people in this, you know, on, on our audience knows who Gary Vaynerchuk is, but Gary V is, he's just a, he's just a savage internet entrepreneur. He runs a, a digital marketing or marketing agency. I think, I think, I don't really know what he does. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows what he does, Yeah, but he's basically online all the time, preaching about doing the dirty work, hustling, uh, you know, grinding it out, providing real value, deploying empathy at scale, DMing influencers, like all of those things. And Patrick, would you agree that everything that he talks about for the most part is relatively simple? It's not, it's not like, it's not like something that you're like, oh my God, that is so clever. Yeah, I'd say most of the times he says the same, same like five lessons in different ways throughout entire all of his content. Yeah, and he is not, he'll post 150 times a day uh, saying some variation of the same five things. So me and Patrick, like we, we're looking at him. It's like, oh my gosh, like we, we, we hear him, we see him. He's going live on Google Plus and Pinterest and Twitter and everything all at the same time. Our, our joke here uh, in our apartment is Gary, go to bed, like stop. Uh, he's just always hustling. He's always grinding. And we would always say like, look, if we just did everything that Gary did, we would obviously be successful. It's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know if you're working like that, you're going to, you're going to create the success in your life. So Patrick and I, one day we just decided that, Hey, you know what, what if we did one day pretending that we were Gary V we did everything that he does throughout the day uh, you know, waking up early, doing literally everything. Create. I still have social accounts from this day that I that I, I have a Tumblr account that I do not go on, but it's from this day. And we just kind of decided we're going to do this one day only, uh, Gary, full Gary V mode day. And my results at the end of that day, like waking up at like five o'clock in the morning, through. <laughs> I don't know what what time did we stop. Like let's let's just say we stopped at like eight p.m. My results were like ridiculous. Like I know I sold like twelve to fifteen courses, landed five like long term high paying clients. I became the exclusive sports medicine provider of a sports federation here in New York City. And this is all of just one day of work. And I know, but you and I both we we both gained like a thousand followers in that day, right? Yes, yes, it was it was outrageous the, the return we saw. Yeah, it was it was it was disgusting. Uh, but the craziest part of all, the real lesson in it is that the next day when we woke up, we were not about to do that shit again because it was crazy and like we were so tired from from the work the previous day. Like I remember my neck was tight, like I just felt like depleted of energy. And when you start realizing that, you have to if we really look at that from a bird's eye view, you say this isn't really about like we had the information, we knew what it was to do. It, we, it wasn't nothing. It was nothing like groundbreaking. It was a matter of like becoming somebody who was capable of consistently applying that every day. Like, imagine if we did that, Patrick, every single day for a year. What's going to happen? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you're quite right. And at, at number two, makes it makes exactly what we would expect it to happen. Is yeah. that your your life would change dramatically, uh, and 
I mean, that is, I mean, that is a lot. It's people that aren't willing to do those things, which we clearly weren't. We did it once and never did it again eight years ago. Uh, but aren't willing to do those things. And, you know, I, my my biggest stuff, you know, in the investment side on restaurants and things like that, like, I don't really lose anything. Um, I, I guess I get, theoretically, I don't like feel a loss or anything when I have like bad days and things like that. But well, that's because you've created, well, your business is a little different, but like you have, you have acquired biz like cash flow machines and that's because that's what business actually is. So, you know, if you are like, you might not lose anything, but you didn't, you know, like you don't gain, like if you're trying to go out and like acquire new restaurants and stuff like that, uh, that's where, that's where, like, if you're building something else, if you're building a portfolio, if you're building a business, if you're building another cash flow machine, you're, you're investing in businesses. That's where things, it's like the growth that you miss out on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, uh, I'm a 100% like uh, people think, you know, people say I buy restaurants or hospitality assets, whatever. I've always looked at it, you know, at least over the past, you know, two years that I'm buying, I'm, I'm just buying cash flow. I'll buy a pharmaceutical company. I don't care. I'll 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 go and get anything in, under the sun un, uh, in my portfolio. I just I take the Warren Buffett approach is that I'm also inheriting the management, the team that can run that. Uh, and, but yeah, so like I have, uh, you know, when I go after these businesses, I just have to I have to keep that management in place, and that is what allows me to keep doing these things. I still don't know much about running hospitality or, or restaurants. It's just, but it's, that's how I run my business. So I don't really see that much, but I get pissed at myself a lot of times where I have these hangover days and it takes me a while to get back. And, you know, next thing you know, I've lost three days. And I, you know, I, as you know, and I believe you'd feel the same way, especially right now for you on Twitter, you know, it is important. Uh, you know, content is important. Having some notoriety is important to business. I mean, we've talked about Alex Ramosi and how he talks about it. I mean, look at Crank Cardone. I saw another thing yesterday. It's a, it's an old video, though, but from uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, where he was talking about how Grant Cardone, he thinks, is going to end up in jail because the guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's someone who has, has he's, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street certainly knows a lot about sales. He, he was a little slimy about it, but he, he certainly knows how to sell people. And, you know, but Grant Cardone, if he does end up in jail, he, he built this not off knowledge of how to do things, but off of his image. Yeah. And how he's able to, you know, oh, I want to be, I want to be able to tell people, you know, these these guys with big money, oh no, I'm business partners with Grant Cardone, and now, oh, now it makes you feel cool. That's what you're buying, really. You don't, you hope that the business runs well, but you don't really know. So, it's just, you know, I get pissed at myself when I lose these days, and I, and you, know, I get stagnant on TikTok, which is such a such a an important app in my opinion right now, and or YouTube Shorts. Uh, all those things, it, it frustrates me. And if I did just have a slight change in how I operate over the next 365 days where I, you know, I just make sure that if I get hung over, you know, maybe, maybe we started with controlling my beverages at night. But, uh, you know, if I get hung over, sorry, fuck off. You got to get up. Got to get it. Got to go do whatever it is. Maybe it's a 30-minute walk uh, that that we used to do, the recovery walks uphill, get my heart rate between 130 and 150 and just run through that, which we can talk about a little bit later because it's on one of these um, – it's one of these uh, on this list. But and, – and just knock it out and be able to fucking go to work. Uh, let's keep it going uh, because there's a lot of opportunity that I think that I miss specifically, specifically on, the, on the social media portion uh, uh, because of these types of days and how I just – I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I can't. I'm not there. I want. I want. I want Chick Fil A and Netflix, and that's it. Uh, so, 
Yeah. Anyway, Sean, what's what's uh, what's number? What's the next one you want want to touch on? Well, <clears throat> might as well hit number eleven because that's kind of up my wheelhouse, and and we just mentioned it anyway, which is walking more will change your life. There is no life block strong enough to outlast the power of a thirty minute walk in nature. Uh, there's a lot to hit on this, but I'll tell a story. Uh, that I think represents the power of walking pretty, pretty well. When I used to work in professional baseball, if you don't know, I was a strength and conditioning coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, and every single year, like clockwork, and Patrick, you, you must have seen this as well. When the season first got started, we go out to our affiliate. Uh, and like clockwork, about I don't know, two, three, probably two first two, three weeks of the season, the pitching coach comes storming into my office and he is got a bee in his bonnet because the pitchers are going, the starting pitchers are going four, five innings. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's not good. Like a starting pitcher, we're aiming for seven innings pitch. Then you can get him to the back end of the bullpen and, and we're in good shape. So when they're going four or five innings, like that's not good. It's not good for me. It's not good for the pitching coach. It's not good for the pitcher. It's not good for anybody. And the pitching coach, obviously he's got people in his ear chirping and now he's worried about his job. So he's coming in to talk to me because we got to get these guys in better shape. And every single year it's the same damn story where it's like, these guys don't run hard enough. They don't work hard enough. Back when I was a pitcher, we would run 10 miles after every start. And these guys need to start doing that. And I would always be like, oh, here we go. Like, here we go again. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to agree with him. So I would be like, you know what, dude, you're right. These guys are soft. They don't train hard enough. They don't run enough. Like we're going to whip these guys into shape. And every single time uh, the next day at a, you know, during batting practice, the pitchers, pitchers would finish their throwing program and then it would be their turn to come to me. Uh, and then we would go through conditioning and I would always march them past the pitcher's mound where, cause the pitching coach was throwing BP and I'd like kind of give them that nod. Like, yeah, we about to get it back here. So we'd go back behind the outfield or we, you know, I'd say we're going to go into the weight room and do some sprints or running or long distance stuff, whatever, whatever mumbo jumbo I was spewing that day. And what we would do is we'd go back and we would, we would strap everybody up with a heart rate monitor and we would go for 35 to 45 minutes uh, walking or some sort of activity uh, at a heart rate zone of 130 and uh, between 130 beats per minute and 150 beats per minute. Uh, and what that is, is that is called, it's something called eccentric uh, ventricular contraction. And, uh, and that's a really fancy way of saying we can make your heart hold more blood. Uh, and when it can hold more blood, it can hold more oxygen. And that is the lifeblood that when you're, you need to get it out to the, uh, to your muscles so that it can work and continue it's the fuel for your muscles. Uh, and we would do this, you know, probably for a week, you know, we would put them down, put them on like a plan like this. And after, after, you know, the first round of doing this, we'd get them back on the mound and legit, I swear to God, like clockwork, every, every time the next round in the rotation these guys would be going seven eight 
nine was still pretty rare, but we'd get guys seven innings, six innings was like automatic and guys would start going harder, uh, longer. And what it does is it's building like it's the science. It's building your energy production system. It's refueling the your energy quicker in between pitches, uh, in between starts, in between outings. Uh, and it just worked like always, always, always worked like clockwork. And uh, it was just, it, you know, coming out of spring training where it's like two months of a grind. Uh, and guys weren't really necessarily in shape coming into spring training. So they're tired, they're weak, and they just they just need to get tuned into, into the season. And it just happened all the time. Like that. So like, there's a misconception out there that professional athletes and people that are just in great quote shape, that they're just working like insane in the gym. And it's not, it's just, it's literally uh, working smarter as opposed to working harder. And I'm sure you can attest to much of the same given your, your background as a player and experiencing both sides of the fitness coin. Yeah, I looking back on my career and looking back in those particular parts of my career, the the fitness portion of it. When you work harder and you talk about the difference between working hard and working smart, the working harder is to me just a mental game. So I when I go into my next start, my big thing, and this is what I think I kind of lacked towards the end of my career because I was trying all different kinds of shit to try to figure out how to throw strikes again, but when you when i when i walked into my next start when i was really good i always felt like i was prepared and although you know maybe i didn't uh run 40 miles like they want you to do you know when i first started doing things i was like i'm a hard worker i do this i am prepared for this start i am the fucking guy and you know, this is you just you just feel it's like it's not so much you know what it's doing. It might like we like you've studied Sean. It might actually be doing worse for your body long term than it actually is helping you. But mentally, it's making you feel like wow, I am a fucking G. I am a guy that's going out there, and no one's going, no one's working harder than me. I think Kobe was a good example of this. Maybe Michael Jordan was a good example of this, where they might have been doing things that were not. Uh, necessarily from a from a body standpoint, good for them, but from a mental standpoint, you know, I'm the goat. This is what I do. I'm coming in at four in the morning and shooting. You're fucking not, and that's why I'm going to beat your ass tonight. Mm-hmm. And so it's that mental aspect of thinking about I am a fucking guy. That I think that that stuff that you're going to do that's worse for you, you know, from a body standpoint and not actually <laughs> helping you. Uh, it's yeah, I think it's doing the the absolute opposite uh, for your mental you know your mental game unless <clears throat> you feel as though you're overworking your body now it's like okay well now I need to ease off so that I don't do that yeah so but then you get into that whole battle which mean you both have been very privy to well I feel like I'm overworking my body but am I just being a little bitch <laughs> you know you know <laughs> am I well am I, I have a little twinge in my elbow I probably should stop at one rep yeah you know like you so you, you have that game too but. I, that's what I've always thought about with with overworking and, and, and doing things like that is it's it's more so helping you become mentally tough and being the, you know an unstoppable force in your head you know as you know, you see a lot of people have said over the time the most recent person to be saying this is is Andrew Tate but it, your strong body uh, strong mind so yeah. you know it, you, you know if you're if you're struggling in, in, with things uh, you go to the gym get stuff done and it's really true it gives you that that. That hit of dopamine or whatever it is that you know it comes in and makes you happy, makes you feel accomplished, um, and it, you just kind of start hammering things out. It's just kind of how the, the kind of how the body works, at least in, in my experience. So, uh, 
I think that you know the working smart, working hard is a, a is a too general term uh, because I, I think you know I was I was in good shape you know my towards the end of my baseball career I was doing things that were smart you know things that were were beneficial to me but I didn't have a strong mind. And that's what ultimately ended my career. Now, I was a pretty talented guy, in my, my, in my opinion. And I think that I could have went on if I did have a strong mind to go on and, and make you know, a, a ton of money in baseball. But I didn't have that towards the end of my career. And I wasn't <clears> able to kind of get over that hump to be able to go do that. And that's why I do what I do now. So, you know, there, there's a balance there that, you know, you, you have to do with the gym. And where you're pushing yourself past limits to make you feel as though you, oh, I'm really getting after this, but in an intelligent way. There's that balance that that's that I think we all kind of search, and the people that go to the gym and do these things are searching for. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at like, you really think about it. Like, how much better can you be? Like, how much better can the gym make you? Honest, like, honest to God. Like, if if I'm if I'm being completely honest, like I remember this was actually awesome. My strength coach in college. Uh, he, after I had graduated, it was like, you know, like after my last season or whatever, he was, he brought a, like me and yeah, I think it was Kevin, maybe who brought us into like, just, I think you're just kind of like trying to get some feedback. And he was like, how much do you think strength and conditioning helped you? Uh, and I said, I think that strength and conditioning was like really helpful in conditioning aspect, like not getting tired, but from a strength standpoint, Nah, like I, I got, I got weight room stronger. Yes. But I was still like a, like a shifty guard who was not trying to absorb contact. It didn't really change my game and it didn't like strength was not all that helpful to me before, you know, for that reason. And I look at like, I've worked, I worked with professional athletes for a long time uh, and how many of them, you know, gained noticeable improvement on their fastball probably zero. Uh, how many of them, I think, again, I think conditioning is helpful, get them through a season and uh, get them through a season, you know, safely, relatively comfortably. I think things that I was doing in terms of like soft tissue and massage work, you know, is helpful to like maintain, manage that workload and things like that. But from the like actual fitness and weight room stuff, I don't, I don't, this is take this from a former strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I don't think it's all that helpful. I think there is benefit, but I think it's ridiculously overrated uh, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to like athletic performance. Uh, and, you know, for me, it was like, well, how do you actually, how do I actually make a difference as a strength and conditioning coach that actually puts them in a better spot? Like squatting is not helping that much. Deadlifting is not helping that much. Bench pressing is not helping that much. The corrective exercises aren't really correcting that much. And what I found was that it was really all in the neuroscience. As I went from rookie ball to double A to the NBA, the biggest difference between the rookie ball guys, the guys that were getting cut uh, and the guys who were in the NBA, the guys who were making, who were making millions and who were, you know, on sports center, it was not the, it was not like their workout mentality. It was not their, it was not like how much they could bench press or deadlift or how like locked in they were at their, you know, in their routines. It was all mental. It was all neurological. It was like the way they behaved was like a little different. It was a little weird. Like, so I talked to Swaggy P and I'm like, you're not a normal person. And like the higher up you got, the more weird the people started to be. They would do things that were different than normal people. Uh, they, you know, and this, it was just the mindset. It was the neurology. It was there. You know, we would measure guys, we would measure guys, 
uh, like heart rate data. And we found that in like stressful moments during the, during NBA games, like they had a, you know, a heart, an HRV, a resting heart rate that was lower than the people that were in the stands. And it's like, they're not, they're not dealing with the stress of the moment. Like, you and I would, you know, maybe not you, but like other people, like normal people that, you know, they don't deal with that the same way. And that's what we were finding was like, it was the neuroscience. That was the big difference maker in performance. It was the brain. It was the mind. It was the mentality, the psychology that actually made most of the difference. Now, of course, in the NBA, the NFL, MLB, these guys are unicorns of talent. Uh, But once you have that as the prerequisite, like, it's it, strength and conditioning is not that helpful. Like I'll, I'll say this right now, as a as a as a future father, uh, years down, you know years down the road, I I don't think I would let I don't would not have my kid lift until college unless he was like pushing me in high school. He's like, I really want to lift, and then uh, maybe, but he definitely should, is going to. Yeah, but anyway, I remember when I was in high school, like I didn't care that much about lifting. I you know I, I we did it a little bit with dad, and I know we did some at CBA, but. We didn't do much, uh, but I, I, there's no need. There's absolutely no, I remember Brandon Ingram came to us when, with the Lakers and it was, he was the number two overall pick. And I was like, all right, what kind of lifting stuff did you do at Duke? And he's like, I never freaking lifted. <laughs> I was like, and I was, I was happy. He was like, all right, good. Now you're not like messed up. I don't have to deal with that stuff. Now I can, it's a blank slate. So it's, 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 it's ridiculously overrated when it comes to actual performance, but it's the mental side of it, overcoming, doing hard things, feeling good about yourself that I, I, I would argue that that is a zillion times more effective. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that is, after speaking with you over the course of the last you know five years or so, I think that is by far the biggest benefit you get in the weight room at any point in time in conditioning yeah. as well. I think you do get, like you said, you do get some benefits from both, uh, from a, from a, from a from an actual body standpoint but i when you go in there and you push yourself through things and do all that stuff you just feel better about yourself you feel accomplished you feel like you're a guy that can go do things you're a guy that can't that you know that not not everyone can do this and that is why when i go onto the mound or if i go onto the court uh, why i'm out there and you're in the stands watching me because i'm able to do things you are not able to do things and it just as as everything does Sean as we've seen it, everything translates over the course of your whole life, you know. You know, there's certain things you know that you just can't turn off. And you know, when I'm you know when I'm willing to take my bank account to zero to go buy a new 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 investment, you know, I'm also willing to take my bank account to zero, you know, to go party in Vegas. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, absolutely. I, it, this is just I, I I don't know how to turn those things off. Well, and, that's what they was. I mean, that's we always said that about Kobe was that when he was on the court he was an assassin uh he was just a he was a he's a like a, the dog man for real but the crazy thing is is like he was the same way off the court like the, the stories we you know i've heard about kobe uh, in the locker room and on the court and and like talking smack to his teammates and on the plane like he was the same guy and there is no on and off switch for people that are like this. And, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this back to business because I think that it's the same thing. I think, uh, you know, human performance in sports is the same and, and you can compare it straight over to human performance in business because how much marketing really matters, how much of you, the strategy of, okay, let me put out a, a free ebook and then convert them to this thing. Like that stuff is who cares? 
Like it's the person, it's Elon Musk. Elon Musk running your marketing scheme versus me running your marketing scheme is going to be a world of difference. And it is not because uh, he's going to come in and rock your world with creative strategy. He's going to rock your world with who he is and, and his crazy ass mind. Like that's the difference maker in all of it. Yeah, it's, it is. And we're, I'm talking about expanding right now out into a different part of the country. And, you know, you know, you know, the my my I have pretty much have contacts almost everywhere in the in the country, I, and if I have I just have a way to get to people. And these people that I'm targeting in these this particular particular area, I was like, what are the odds this guy wants to sell his you know four places? Like, nope, no chance. And my response always to people is, no one's selling until they are. And when you start talking to people, you know, I haven't I haven't bought a bar besides one of them that was for sale. You know, I was the one that started all those conversations. That I was the one to put a number in front of them that got them in, you know, thinking, and was like, well, you know, you know, no one's thinking about it. You're like, oh, I love this. I do this. I'm doing all this. And then all of a sudden, someone throws a number in front of your face. And you're like, well, I can, I can, I can get paid to not do anything now. That would be nice, especially these guys that are older, a little bit older and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm willing to go and have that meeting. And go find and see if I can do it. And because of that, I will get more places than others will get. They'll just be like, well, yeah, I don't know. He's probably not selling. Or I don't know how I'm going to pull that off. You know, it's just, you know, again, we go back to number two. You know, in your limiting beliefs. You know, the you know when I remember when I was sitting in the back right corner with you, with Sean yourself and Anthony Cirillo, and I was talking to Don Carmen, the the the, the psychological coach for uh, Boris Corp, and he would tell me he goes, listen, like just similar to what you just said, it translates all over your life. So if you want to be a you know a stud on the mound at all times and have that kind of confidence, you're actually doing yourself a disservice if you find a girl in the bar attractive and you do not go and speak to her. <laughs> Yeah. That, now yourself, we're talking baby yeah you're doing yourself a disservice and when you when you when you really map it out especially on the girl world or the or the business investment world if you go over right and you go hit on that girl or you go ask that guy if he wants to sell his business and the answer is no you are ba- right back to where you are currently right now Maybe if she says some mean things, maybe you're a little, you're, you got a little ego punch, but you're not in any really different position than you were at that exact moment. So I remember me and my buddy, we used to line up shots of green tea, and we'd have let's say ten green tea shots on the bar, and we would try. We would go and talk to girls or try to make eye contact, do certain things, and if we got turned down, we'd come back and both of us would take a shot as like, eh, we gave it a go, and you just moved on. And honestly, guys, you know. I we got turned down almost incessantly. <laughs> I, I, I so many nights I never I never you know landed a girl. But you know you were not. You, first off, they gave the best stories. You know you sit on the couch the next morning with a cup of coffee with some bagels. And you talk about dude Pat, that girl wanted no party. <laughs> and you get some good laughs and things like that. It's never it's, it's not funny when, I, when you took the girl home. Yeah, that was oh god, good job, Pat. But it's funny. You get a laugh. You talk about how how embarrassing that was, and you just but you move on. And as I said, you're in that exact same position you were in the time before. So you have literally nothing to lose and everything to gain, which is what yeah. every person in the investment world is looking for. How can I have a zero percent risk? Uh, it's impossible. It doesn't exist. So you know, it, it's something that people really need to, I think, 
taking consideration <laughs> when they're trying to go after things, uh, when they're trying to do things in business or in their personal lives or what have you. Sure. Uh, it's 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 certainly stuff that uh, I think people need to really you know think about, which will lead me to one later. But I don't want to talk about that one yet. The next ones I want to I want to chat about. I want to combo two two of them because they're kind of similar. Well, it's actually, number- before you do that, let me. I want to because I think this is a good segue. <clears throat> Because I was looking here, because as I was scrolling through this list, I think what you're talking about right now really leads into number 12 really well, uh, which is your habits put you in a position where luck is more likely to strike. Always choose the path with the larger luck surface. Uh, One of the things, and Pat, you know this, I won't share yet because nothing's really come come to fruition, but there's someone uh, in my world right now, super famous, uh, like insanely, like beyond insanely successful that I kind of have like an opening with, uh, where I might be able to, you know, work my way into getting him onto uh, my podcast and, and like interviewing him and like learning stuff from him. And, uh, the only reason that it's happened was because that I've been posting on social media for a long time. Uh, and I happened to post one thing that caught his attention, uh, and some things have transpired off of that. Uh, and it's like, I, to the way that I've, I've been thinking about it over the last few days. And I'm like, I think that what happens is like, there are cracks in the fountain, like in the castle of success, right? Like you got the big dogs who are in there, who've already gotten in there. And you're like, how the hell do I break down this fortress? And I think that there's like cracks in the surface. And if you just keep going and going and going, eventually you find this like crack that you never expected was there. You can't believe it's happening. And then it's just like, it just like, it allows you to like get your foot in the door and then it can kind of crescendo off of that. And you talk about like, like talking to girls at the bar. Like if you just sit in the corner, like you never have, you never find the cracks, like, yeah, maybe she's got the fortress up, but somebody in here probably doesn't. Uh, and if you just keep going and going and going and same thing with business, like I just keep trying stuff. This guy's not selling, this guy's not selling, but somebody out there is selling. And if you keep put, if you keep doing that, like eventually you find the crack in the fortress and you can get your foot in the door and you can go. And it reminds me so much of that guy, uh, Jesse Itzler, who who spent a, a month, I think it was a month or a couple, I don't know, living with David Goggins, the Navy SEAL. Uh, and he was being interviewed about it on on Joe Rogan. And Rogan was like, asking him like, what was the stuff he was doing? And it was like crazy, like burpee competitions, like 10 seconds before a meeting, you know, pull up contests, like running my like running like 10 miles in Central Park at three o'clock in the morning in a blizzard, uh, just like crazy stuff. And he was like, Rogan was like, why the hell would you like sign up for this? And he was like, all I wanted to do was like, I didn't know what the lesson was. I didn't know what I needed to learn, but I was just going to put myself in the position to receive the muse, which is what he called it. And that's just like the information, that aha moment of, of like, you know, what, you know, what do I need to learn from this guy? I know he's got something to teach me and I'm just going to put myself squarely in the middle of this thing so that eventually when all the craziness subsides, like the gems are there left at the end. And now I've learned something I've evolved. I'm better. Uh, and so, and that's where I, I just think like what you're saying there just, just goes so well. And it's number 12. I wanted to hit that before you moved on. Well, no, listen, I, I agree with you. I mean, you need it. You just need to be out there. When I when I first started social media work, Sean is a much more calculated guy than I am. You know, he wants to have a plan. He you know, he wants, why am I posting this? Blah, 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 blah. And we both take different unique approaches to social and life in reality. But when I, I remember when I was doing things, we were doing the Comment City, where we were commenting on a bunch of people, which I still every now and again get people to finally realize that I commented on their post four years ago or whatever. <laughs> and 
you know, I, I get these things. But the reason – I remember you asking me one time. He's like, but I, I can't just do it just to do it. I don't understand why I'm doing it. And I was doing it solely to build a following. So when I figured out what the hell I wanted to do, I, I, I wasn't – all right, now I'll start building. And I was just – I was commenting the most uh, uh, ludicrous things – uh, and I was gaining this following, gaining this following, gaining this following, and you know it took a, it literally took a new app, uh, which is TikTok, to kind of get me into a position where I'm like, okay, all right, now I'm kind of starting. I'm known now as the baseball guy. I've already have this following now from from Instagram uh, about you know Mike Trout strikeout, et cetera, et cetera, and you know I'm I'm in a in a in a much I'm a much further along position than I would have been. If I wanted to wait until I figured out why I was doing things, and uh, you know I'm a big uh, just just get going, and that's kind of what you're talking about here when you talk about certain things is you just got to get yourself in the as you said one time you got to get your seat at the table, you get yourself in the room in front of the right person, and things can change. You know you know things can just be in a much different position than you would have been if you know. You just plan, 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 and never actually do anything. And I think people fall into that trap a lot. You know, I think people do those things where it's just like, okay, well, one, I, well if I want to start my business, I want a business plan. And why am I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And it's certainly good to do those steps, but I think, uh, I think people overlook sometimes just, hey, just go and just start doing things. Just start doing things and figure it out and just kind of go as you go. You know, when I first bought Green Rock, when I first bought the sushi restaurant, and then when I bought Green Rock, I didn't have the, the model that I have now. I have it now. I know what I'm doing. I have the model, and I can just repeat the model over and over and over and over again in, in, a, in a different format across the country to build, to build a portfolio of a bunch of different types of businesses into one. So I have the, for, the, the formula and, the, and what I want to do, and I just got to plug different things into the formula. But... When I first did it, I didn't have that. I didn't know. I had no idea what. That, I had a buddy that told me the place made a lot of money, and the the owner that I was buying from was a thief. And you can't believe anything he shows you. But I have a guy inside source that says you, you're doing a good thing here. All right, yeah, sure. Let's let's go for it. Uh, and I think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't take on that type of risk. But I went for it. I had you know my family didn't particularly love that I was doing it, but we went for it. And next thing you know, you know, we're in a position that we're in now. But, you know, you sometimes you just gotta kind of have to go for it. But the, the two that I wanted to combo, Sean, here is three and seven. And I'll read them both, and they kind of go together. Most of your friends really aren't your friends or aren't really your friends. They're just along for the ride when it's fun or convenient. Real friends are the ones who are there for you when you have nothing to offer them. Number seven, most people don't actually care about you. The spotlight effect says that we overestimate the degree in which people are observing our actions. Just do you. And that is kind of that, that, um, that phrase or that quote that you see often on TikTok. Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm back. So uh, the one we see often on, t- on TikTok. I don't know who the fuck just called me. But um, it's like people just like know when I'm recording. Uh, that was no caller ID, so I can't get mad at that one. But uh, – it's that, that, that quote that says, you know, you'll, you'll stop like, caring about what people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. 
and everyone's involved in their own life. I think a really good first date trick that uh, you know I try to do the best I can. Uh, if I ever, do, I haven't gone on a first date in a long time. But if uh, you go on these first dates, you know, if you're if you're in the single world and doing that, just have them. If you really like this girl or this guy, whatever it is that you're you're going on this date with, if you want them to like you, have the entire night revolve around them and talking about themselves. They will come away from that really, really enjoying the date. And, you know, it's it's a great trick. You know, have people talk about themselves. They love doing that. And that's talking about that spotlight effect is that, you know, you know, no one really cares, but people love to think that people care. And it's it's a very unique way of thinking about it. And then you, you, you piggyback that with number three where you're talking about most of your friends really aren't your friends. And that's true. You 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 know, you keep your you know, keep your inner circle close. There are there are there are maybe four people, five people I, uh, that I, are in my inner circle that I know will be there if I go. My bank account goes to zero, and uh, you know they. I just saw a quote, or not a quote, a interview with Cristiano Ronaldo, and he said, "How many people?" They, they, there was they asked him, "How many people do you 100% trust? 100% no if answer buts." And this is the most popular man in the world. I think we could both probably argue. I mean, maybe you're talking Donald Trump's in that same category, but. He's the most popular man in the world, and he said four. He has four people in his life. And think about the number of people that are probably surrounding him. Four people in his life that he trusts 100%. That, and he's got to have more than four family members. So you know what I'm saying? There's four people, and that, that's just kind of how life works. Uh, that's kind of where we are when we're talking about these things. And when, as you become more successful, as you do things – you know who that inner circle is and and know that you know those people are are they, you should covet those people and help them as much as you can because uh they you might need that help one day and then on top of that realize no one besides probably those four people but no one really gives about they're all paying attention to their own lives when you fuck up just move on do the best you can to learn from whatever mistake you made and that's that's the end of it no one no one cares they're worried about themselves 100% probably maybe they, maybe they're going to talk about you but it's only to make themselves feel about better about themselves <laughs> i i reminds me of we you and i've had this conversation before where like i i'm just so fascinated when i walk down the streets of new york city and just see all these people i was like i don't know this person i have no idea what's going on and this person is like the center of their own universe and all their problems are such a big deal uh, and all of the things that are going on in their life is so big. Uh, and I'm not knocking it, but like, that's just the way that the humans are. And I, I, you know, a lot of times I get caught and this is the, what I've talked with you about Patrick was like, you get caught in these conversations where people are just like, it's the conversation is me just waiting for you to shut up so that I can start talking about me again. And this is where the phrase, well, for me comes in, like how many times do you have that conversation with somebody well, you, where you're expressing something and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, it's this, this, and this. And it just like, it's this cycle of like, like just, it is really remarkable. It is really, really remarkable how people only care about themselves. And again, it's, I'm not knocking humans, humans, like this is clearly just the way that our brains have evolved and we have a survival, you know, instinct that, that that's the number one thing on anybody's mind. Uh, but that's just, it's just the game. Like that's how everybody only cares about themselves. They're worried about number one. Uh, and, and yeah, I have one of my best friends. He, he's the king 
at asking questions about you and making it, I don't, whether he does or he doesn't, I don't know, but like making it seem like he cares about what's going on in your life. Uh, and he's the only, the literal only person I know on the planet who I, maybe I got one other person, uh, who, who is like actually like cares about like, or like asks you about yourself and everybody else is just like a constant, you know, just, just nonstop of just like telling me about yourself and your problems and nobody cares. I don't even care. Uh, it's just, it's fascinating to really, to really uh, like dive into that and, and realize that. No, I mean, it certainly is. This is what, this is, this is just how the world works. And like I said, like, I mean, if you, if you really want people to like you, get them to start talking about themselves and, and don't fucking stop them. Uh, just, oh, okay. You're doing that. Well, tell me more about that. And, and this and that, and you just go on and you don't, you know, Try to be as engaging as you can. Like, don't if you fake it and you get caught, you don't really not paying attention. You're zoning out. That's not great either. But it is. It's it's just a it's just a trick of the trade that allows you to make people think that you're fucking awesome. <laughs> and because people, I love talking about myself. It's fun. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Okay, I think yeah, I am doing pretty good, aren't I? Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's just it just makes you feel good. So it, it, it's certainly something I think people should consider, uh, especially it's a nice, it's a really good first date trick um, to get people to like you. So if, you, if you're in the single world, um, feel free to take it. Just make sure you cite me as a source um, <laughs> at the end of the date. And I want, I want, if the date goes well, I want you to let her know or him know that you need to thank Pat Light. And if you are in the New York, New Jersey, Hoboken area, I highly advise against citing <laughs> Pat Light. Uh, at, the, at, at any first date or romantic encounter yeah it might if you run into the wrong person if if, if it's a guy you're good <laughs> you, should you, also, into... you should also be on alert if you are in minnesota boston <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the greater seattle tacoma area <laughs> any really of the major cities you're talking about you should really just you know don't cite me uh but uh anyway uh sean do you got another one uh, you know what? I did have one. Let me scroll here. I think it's right at the end. Okay. Yeah, number 21. Uh, it was never take advice from people on the sidelines. The arena is dark and lonely. Don't take advice from people who don't understand that. Uh, and I definitely think like this is something that like I do really, really well, maybe to a fault. Uh, and the reason is, is like, like I'll, let's use like grandma, for example. If I tell grandma, you know, you know, like I'm trying to market my business or something, or like I'm, I'm going to start trying to market my business with webinars. Uh, whether or not the web, if the webinar, if the, if the webinar marketing strategy is complete crap and is never going to work in a million years, what's my grandma going to tell me? She's going to say, wow, that sounds amazing. Like that sound, that's, that's, man, so many people are going to be interested in that. Like, I know I would be interested in that or whatever. Who knows? She probably would say that, but uh, she'd, she'd be like, she'd like pump me up. She'd say like nice things about me. Uh, and to be honest, like that's giving you a false sense of security. So false sense of confidence in that, you know, in that marketing strategy for me, like, I don't know who I was just talking to about this. Uh, but we talk about like, like you have like the people that you trust who can like, who you believe will give you good, good advice. You know, I remember coming up in strength and conditioning. Like for me, it was, it was, you know, we had this guy, Andrew, who we, who, 
uh, was our athletic train, like their head at ATC for the minor leagues. He was awesome. Ended up working for the Dodgers and the Braves and the big leagues. Like really, really sharp guy. I trust. He said, Sean, I think you should do this exercise. I'd be like, okay, yeah. I think you were saying this the other day about one of your business partners. We we're like, if this guy said I was bad at business, I would be like, am I bad at business? <laughs> uh, but yeah. you like have these people that you're like, okay, like if this guy says it, then I'll take it for, I'll, you know, I'll believe it and I'll, I'll use it. But there's so many other people out there that have an opinion on everything that you're doing. Like how, you know, how much of, how much of like general day-to-day conversation is just like talking shit about like people, you know, or like people in your family or, you know, just people are always like weighing in on their opinion. You, you know, you listen to the sports talk shows in the morning, Stephen A. Smith is weighing in on his opinion on what Rob Polinka should do with the, with the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, thanks Stephen A. Smith. Like what the hell do you know about this? Right. And like, it's, everybody has these opinions and everybody has thoughts. And as a, as somebody, if, if you're trying to like succeed and like improve yourself, like you can't just take anybody's advice. You can't just listen to everybody's opinion because some people have invalid opinions. If somebody, if Patrick asked me uh, tomorrow, like, you know, Sean, how much should I value this new restaurant I'm buying? Uh, I might tell him a number, but that is very ill-advised <laughs> by no means should you listen to that number uh, a friend of mine he's like deep into like nfts and crypto and sometimes he asks me he's like he's like you know what do you think about this and i'm like well i i don't really believe it i don't buy it but you can't listen to me and i always say this i'm like don't take don't take anything that i'm saying because i have not studied this i have not researched this i don't know what's what there is behind all of this stuff i have an invalid opinion on this on this subject uh, and like i think if you're if, when you're trying to like push the envelope become better achieve at a higher level you've really got to look at that because people's opinions people's words uh, one of the reasons i don't talk business with family with friends and uh, opie the other day was like sean you could be a hundred thousand dollars in debt or a multimillionaire. i have no idea and that's i'm thankful for that i don't want him to i don't i'm very careful because i know if i start speaking about it he's gonna weigh an opinion on me and that opinion is not something that i want inside of my brain again i might do this to a fault uh but i just don't want your opinion if i don't if 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 I just, if it's an invalid opinion, it's nothing against you. You just, you have, you have valid opinions on other things. And I'm just very careful because I know how it influences my behavior, my performance and my day-to-day operations. So I'm just a very careful, uh, Tony Robbins says, stand guard at the gates of your mind. And I'm very careful about what I allow in, uh, again, maybe to a fault, but if I know that there probably could be some people who listen to this who are like, yeah, that is definitely to a fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, um, you just always have people, you know, giving advice and doing things and stuff like that. It's, it, I just, you know, you, just, you say, you know, stand guard, and you just kind of, you know, okay, that was shit. I don't care what you're saying. Okay, you don't know what you're talking about. All that stuff. And as you get more, as you get just more, in, in, you know, educated on what you're trying to do and things like that, and you just tend not to listen to people. You're like, okay, no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but you know, when I'm trying to go into a different field or something like that or a different market. You know, I, I find people there that I trust and that I believe in, that know what they're talking about over there, and I go and I speak to them. Okay, what do we got here? What's doing this? What's going on with you? How about these bars? How about this guy? I don't know, all that stuff. So you just got to you gotta learn who to take advice from and who not to. People are going to give advice to you uh, you like. <laughs> no <them>. matter what. <laughs> yeah, they're not stopping. Uh, and you just got to, okay, you know, I, you know, I think I might try that. 
I, I think I might do that. That's one of the things that, you know, me, I was working on with Sean, you know, over the past year or so. It's, you know, white lies are fine, especially to family members. You know, <laughs> you know, oh, really? You know, you never thought about that, Grandma. Yeah, wow, I think I will do that marketing strategy next. I didn't know you, you had a you had a, a I didn't a know you degree. were so savvy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instead of telling her, you know, shut the hell up, grandma. <laughs> um but yeah, so uh, you certainly need to know who who not to take advice from and, and, and don't take advice from people that haven't been there. Um even if they failed, it, it doesn't really matter as long as they've been there and tried things. At the very least, the people who failed can tell you what to avoid. Uh so it certainly is certainly you just got to have people that have been in that in those shoes trying to do what you're doing uh, in order to actually be able to take advice from them rather than the people that are just looking from the outside looking in with no risk. No, no, no real thought of what goes into this and just say, oh, you should be doing this, you dummy. Oh, OK, well, that's a lot easier said when you're sitting over there and say, well, of course, they should have taken that shot. You know, but when the when you're going 100 miles an hour on the court, you know, or of course, I should have thrown that pitch. We don't think of everything. It's easy to fucking sit up there with a beer and tell me what I, what pitch I should have thrown. Or you should have thrown a should have thrown a strike there. Thanks, Dick Wad. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, uh, it is. It's just an. It's an interesting. <laughs> I always <laughs> I always laugh when the pitching coach comes out to the mound because it's the same thing. Hey, how's it going? How you feel? Feel good? Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's you know let's let's you know pencil one right down the middle here, right? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Oh, that's what we should have done. I used to do thinking about talking about playing mind games. I used to have the umpire when they were out there talking to me, and he'd come out to stop the, stop the pitchers meeting. Uh, I would always have a relationship somehow with them, and uh, I would ask him what pitch I should throw. And uh, the umpire, most a lot of them engaged and talked about what what they thought. Most of them would just hesitate and not really say anything. And I'll be like, I'm thinking fastball away. You think that's a good pitch? He'd be like, yeah, I think that's a good pitch. And now he's looking for that exact pitch. I throw it, and more times than not, if I'm borderline, I get the call. I can't be way off, but if I, I'll be I'll borderline. I'll get the call because he's looking for it. He's like, oh, that's what I was like. Yep, exactly, right there. Strike, th- strike two or, or what have you, and it, that's a mind game. That is, that is a straight mind game with the umpire. So it is. There's, just, there's nuance to a lot, all these types of things, and when trying to figure out exactly what you should you should do what you should not do all that good stuff uh i am going to quickly read an advertisement uh so close is brought to you by my friends over at WinBet. WinBet is bringing the excitement of win las vegas to online sports betting whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper WinBet is is your ticket to every exciting wager from straight bets to parlays teasers and any exact proposition wager you can dream up sign up today and use promo code xswc1 and after placing your first hundred dollar wager you receive a hundred dollars to bet with there's also a fifty dollar casino bonus for those in new jersey and michigan as a first-time player Again, promo code is XSWC1. There's no better way to enjoy sports with some extra winnings in your pockets. Use for all your favorite bets. Betting is a team sport. Join the WinBet team and bet with the best. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at WinBet.com. It's only available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia. Uh, I think I'm going to pre-record those and just have them random plug them in. So I, since we do live shows now, mm. um, instead, of, instead of interrupting <laughs> the show. Um, number The next one I want to talk about is... Uh, 
you know, one's cliche, one's not. So I'm going to get away from the cliche one. Number eight is the cliche one. Just quickly, regret is way more painful than failure. Uh, that's probably dependent on how fail, how much you're failing. Maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> Sam Bankman. Maybe I'm Sam Bankman. Somebody who's just just avalanches in failure. <laughs> like, enough, please, please, enough failure. Uh, I think maybe Sam Bankman Freed might have a different opinion of that one. But um, anyway, uh, yeah. So probably outside of the thing of jail time and things like that, you might be right. Uh, but. That's just kind of the cliche one. But, yeah, I, I certainly try to go for your goals, all that good stuff. Moving on to something else, though. 13, attach your definition of success to things that are within your control. I think this is a, a really interesting thing to kind of talk about. And it's the reason being is because if something is out of your control, you can't – and I'm going to relate this to baseball because it's a really good way to talk about baseball – you really can't do all that much, and or anything for that matter. And you need to realize that. You know, when you're talking, uh, when you're talking baseball, and, and you know, I used to attach my stuff as weak contact or ground balls. If I, the guy hits a ground ball up the middle, rather than to the shortstop, <clears throat> I still got the, my desired result. It just didn't go to the right guy. Now, could you obviously talk about how he's, he's timing you pretty well because he hit it up the middle? So you can talk about stuff like that, of course. That's a really in-depth knowledge of the game, though. I'll just talk from a, a purely simplistic version. Is you got what you wanted. It just didn't go to the guy. Or you, 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 know, you broke a bat, and it blooped over second base in between second base and right field. Okay, you got what you wanted. just didn't go your way. You can't sit there and be – of course, the competitor in you wants to win – but you can't sit there and really be like, no, listen, I did what I did today. It just didn't, just didn't go my way. And you have to realize that at times when you have a, a, a an absolute piss missile at the shortstop that you got away with one there. You got out, but it wasn't the desired result, you know. And it's something that I think a lot of baseball players and, and people in general in all facets of life really you need, to, you need to learn that because you have to realize what's good and what's bad. And not all the time, if you do your job, will you get the desired result that you're looking for? Or the, yeah, I guess the desired end result is the out. But if you readjust that to the desired end result is weak contact or what have you, or if, if you're a hitter, strong contact, then it, the other stuff will come. The statistics will come. And if they don't, you're just a really fucking unlucky person. Uh, but that, that, that's really all you, you can worry about. If you talk about business, you know, if we're in the bar and we're operating to the, the best of our ability, we got we, we over over staff and, and bouncers and stuff like that, and some guy just you know clocks one, doesn't show any signs that he was intoxicated, just turns around and smokes a guy, and they were arguing at a different bar. They came over here, a guy followed him and just absolutely knocks the guy out. Uh, you know the one guy says we overserved him, so they're suing us. Uh, what are you gonna do about that? You do the best you can. You break up it immediately. You get the guys out of there. You separate them. All right. That's the best you can do. So, you know, it, it, there's only so much that's within your control. And you have to distinguish that. And I like what Sahil talks about here. You have, to, you have to learn what's in that your control. And as long as you do those things, you can, you can put yourself as far as being a successful person because that is all you really can do. When I'm buying a new place, I dive through the, the books. I go through everything. I figure out line by line what I think the place is worth, what I think I can add value add to the business, and if I can make more money on that. Uh, and then I, I, I put a piece, of, you know, a proposal together. This is how much I want to buy the business for. You know, when I pitch investors, I tell them what we think we can do here, not just what we think we're not, which is what we're buying it for. And but 
if I miss something, then okay. Well, listen, I did what I I did the best I could. I, it was in my control. How am I supposed to know that this guy was going in there every night and taking you know to to boost the sales so they because he was he knew he was going to sell to boost the sales. You know, over over the last four years, he was going in there himself and spending a hundred thousand dollars because he knew it'd come back to him. You know, tenfold over in the next when he tries to go sell it. And how am I supposed to know that? So you know. You do the best you can, but there's only certain things that are within your control, and the ones that are in within your control. If you do those well, you're, you know, in my opinion, you're, that's what you should be attaching your success to. And Sahil, you know, seemingly would would agree with that. Yeah, I would Anything say. To add on that, John? Well, yeah, I think you know what I would add to that really is what number fourteen says, which is focusing on process over prize leads to more and better prizes. Uh, and what's something that I've learned over my time is that success really comes down to just a matter of systems, like systems business. I always think about Amazon. When you order something on Amazon, it tells you like, okay, I just ordered this book. And then it'll say at the bottom, like, oh, people who buy this book also usually buy this as well. Would you like to bundle these together? Uh, And then, you know, after you purchase, now your algorithm has changed. It's going to show you more. uh, It's going to show you more similar things. It's going to say, like, when we do Amazon Fresh, it's like, Oh, you do, you know, you usually buy these onions. Would you, did you forget them? Uh, And then they give you the list of things that you've bought in the past. And would you like to add these to your cart? Uh, And these are just systems that are in place. It's not a match. They're not really worried about Well, And of course they are, but uh, it's not really for them about like what, how much money did we make this month? It is, you know, did we implement enough systems? Did we implement uh, you know, are our processes strong? You can't just wing it every month in business. You have to have systems that are in place because systems make things predictable. I've, I've been telling the story a lot lately about how I w- was driving down to Virginia Tech to go watch West Virginia play this year. We stopped at a random Texas roadhouse in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And when we got in there, we're like, yeah, can we get a table for four? For four? She says, of course, she starts walking us towards our table and she stops in front of this glass case freezer and inside of the freezer were all of these steaks. Uh, and she goes, would you like to pick your steak for dinner tonight? And I was, I, you know, I thought, I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Like that is a for sure system that they have in place here to try to get somebody to buy steak rather than a burger. They're trying to upsell, get you to spend more money. Then we're sitting down at the table. She were going through, I'm ordering. And I was like, yes, may I have the chicken fried steak uh, and the the steak fries? Uh, I was going to say the potato fries. (laughs) They're all potato fries. Uh, I was like, can I have the steak fries? And she says, sure. Would you like them loaded? And again, I was like, damn, like good system. Like she's trying, I didn't even know they can't, you could get them loaded. And they're just, these little systems and processes that are just implemented over time that lead that ultimately lead to the result. And these are the things that you can control uh, is like, how well am I implementing here? How effective are my systems? Uh, You know, the, the end result is a, is a, uh, is a reflection of the effectiveness of the system and the data and how are you, you know, measuring this stuff. And, uh, and I think that that is, you know, we talk about things that you can control you can control your, you know, the, how you implement and how consistently you implement uh, and I think systems in business, at least, and probably in strength and conditioning as, as well, and, and athletic performance as well. It's like all, it's the systems, it's the routines, everybody, how routines is everybody in baseball? It's everything. And, and I think that that is, it's kind of how we bring it all together. Certainly, certainly. Um, quickly, I just want to hit two more, Sean, before we end. We're over an hour here and I have to pee. 
<laughs> so, um, so we're going to do two more quick ones, and, I, and they're both very important. I'm going to start with uh, number 19. Okay. Um, we all need more intellectual sparring partners. The quest- they question our assumptions and force us to level up, find yours, cherish them. I, I mean, if if you haven't heard the, the you know that little phrase, I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but if you haven't heard the phrase about like you know like your your net worth is your network and all that nonsense, where you're like, hey, you know you, who your friends are, I'll show you who you will be in 30 years, you know whatever you want to do it. it, it you need to be around people, and this is, I think, what Sean's talking about earlier where he says he does, does certain things to a fault. You need to be around people as much as you can that are where you want to go, are where you are currently, and maybe they have a tidbit that you might not have. Maybe you have a tidbit that they might not have. Having these people in your life are are very important picking the right people is very important as we talked as sean talked about earlier when we we're talking about people on the sidelines don't have a an intellectual sparring partner that has no idea what the hell you do or how you do it or have not gone through similar things that doesn't have any use to you but you know when you're doing certain things and you're talking about starting these businesses or, or what have you um you know it, it's it's important to have that that person to talk to and to say, hey, listen, this is what I'm thinking. Have you done that? I have a, I have a partner that I, I take with me everywhere. He's 10 years older than me, almost to the day. And uh, when I go, he is a much more conservative man than I am, uh, much more aggressive in what I do, but we, we balance each other well. And when I have a question, I go to him. I go, hey, listen, this is what we're doing up here. You know, I made this call. Is it the right call? What do you got? And he goes, oh, I remember we were trying to do um, these people that weigh your bottles. At the end of, uh, end of each week, and they tell you how much is missing, how much is not missing, et cetera, et cetera. Or you bring in a security company rather than hiring, you know, your own guys. And, you know, every time I've went to, ah, oh, Pat, I've tried that, man. It doesn't work. It's a waste of money. You end up doing this. You end up with a headache over here or a headache over there. You, you, it's no two ways about it. You're, you're getting a headache. Just deal with which one you want. And, you know, it, that, the weighing the bottles thing. Uh, I realized that I can find this out for free. Once a month, I go into my books and I find out what our cost of goods sold are in the, in the liquor inventory, and it needs to be hovering in that in that fourteen percent, fourteen fifteen percent number for the places that I have. And if it starts getting elevated, I I I I, I now I talk to people. I go, hey, listen, you know, so and so, this is what's going on. I need you to pull the reins back on the bartenders. You know, or, or something's going on. You know, our numbers are too high. And he pulls it back, and inevitably it, it goes does well for the next six months. And then in month seven, I look again. Okay, we're getting carried away again, and we pull it back. And that's just that's how you do it. And that's now the the weighing bottle company costs you like fifteen grand a year. Now you don't have to worry about that anymore. You know now now you, you just put fifteen thousand dollars back in your pocket by doing a simple thing. But I learn these things from people that are in my network that I trust that know how they're what they're doing. And you have these intellectual sparring partners that can help save you money and put more money back in your own pocket than if you, you decided to do it on your own. So I, I think those people are, 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 are quite, quite important. I think, Sean, you would agree with that. Yeah, I, I really don't have anything to add to that. I think you nailed it. Okay. All right. Uh, and then the last one is the last one on the list, 22. And I think this is something that a lot of people do, and I, I want to offer some uh, a quick story as to why, an, an anecdotal story. But uh, 22, you don't need to have an opinion on everything. It's reasonable to have no opinion on something that you haven't researched. And I'll tell you, I've been in a, a, a tremendous amount of rooms in my life where people try to offer opinions on things that they don't know and that maybe I do know. And I will tell you, 
in in 100% of those cases, the person is 100% better off. I do not look down upon you if you do not know an answer. If you do not, if you say, you know what, I, I don't know, I've never done something like that. What what do you what do you got? Right there, by the way, goes back to another point where we're talking about how you get other people to talk about themselves. <laughs> You're about to make me feel a lot smarter because now I'm going to talk about myself. I like you more, and I'm going to tell you what I think. And maybe I have a ton more knowledge on this. If you start rambling about nonsense, and I know that, you look like a moron. I'm sitting there being like, what the hell is this guy talking about? This guy doesn't know anything. I mean, you talk about the Grant Cardone and the Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know if Grant Cardone doesn't really know what he's talking about. That guy seemingly doesn't think he does. And he's rambling on, and he's making himself look worse and worse and worse to this. To What is the Wolf of Wall Street's name? Do you remember? Jordan Belfort. That is it. To, to Jordan, looking, making him look worse and worse and worse till eventually Jordan thinks the guy's going to end up in jail. And Jordan's certainly not afraid of a sparring partner. And if Grant Cardone's going to spew some bullshit. Jordan's going to go right back at you and be like, I don't think you know what the fuck you're saying. So, you know, just you don't have to know everything. And if you don't know something, just say you don't fucking know. You know, you're going to come off much, much more trusting. Uh, we might not put you in a position where we think maybe you can't handle it yet because maybe you don't know the answer. But if you're going to lie to me and pretend like you know it, you're much fur- uh, further, you know, out of consideration of certain things than you would be if you just said you didn't know and asked me and I can tell you the answer. I can get or I can give you the person that might know the answer. That's how you learn. That's how you become a more successful. That's how you level up. And I think that uh, is of extreme importance to people, especially when you're in the networking game. Don't just pretend like you know everything because you're going to look like you're going to look like an idiot. And that's much more detrimental to you than it is to say, I don't know. I would say that the most trustworthy man in the room is the person who says, I don't know. Uh, And I think it's just also a reflection of confidence. Um, and, but I also find it somewhat ironic about how we just spent the last hour ushering our, or giving out our opinions to everything. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we, I didn't touch one thing that I didn't think that I, I know. I, I, I just, I it just research made me laugh. On. Yeah, it, make sure people know this is not an opinion thing. This is where we, you know, it's, you can give your opinion on something that you feel like you, you, you've done good research on, but don't make shit up. It doesn't, do, it doesn't do you or anybody else any good. We end up wasting everyone's time. Uh, so, anyway. Um, you know, great. Show. I actually like this, and we. I, I follow quite a few people. You do quite a few people. We can do some of your list. I, I like the format of this thing because it kind of gave context uh, to context to things that we can kind of talk more about. Uh, and uh, you know, we were able to hit. Uh, I think some pretty cool things today with Sahil stuff and Sahil posts threads all the time. So I, I think we certainly should uh, go over a lot of this stuff up um, going into the future. So love it. Um, uh, everyone can leave now because <laughs> I'm about to read another ad, and then. <laughs> Uh, and we'll go on our way. WinBet, guys. WinBet is bringing the excitement win Las Vegas online sports betting casino play. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports from boosted parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport. You, you ha- They have what you need to win. Sign up today and use promo code XSWC1, and after placing your first $100 wager, you receive $100 to bet with. There's also a $50 casino bonus for those in New Jersey and Michigan as a first-time player. Again, promo code is XSWC1. Our service change terms and conditions of WinBet. How much is 21 percent only available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia. Um, All right. Until next time, guys. We'll see you later. Sorry, we're closed.